And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with Matt Watson. Hi, Matt. Testing, testing, one, two, three, testing, testing. Can you hear me? Testing, testing, testing. Wait, is, ever, is anybody doing, there? Are we doing different kinds of testing? Because yours had a one, two, three, and mine just said testing. <laughs> yeah, mine mine was a um, integration test. Testing, 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 testing. That was a load test. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> oh, here we God. are for another exciting installment of our foray into the software development life cycle. Today's episode of Startup Hustle is powered by Fullscale.io. Hiring software developers is difficult. Fullscale can help you build a software team quickly and affordably and has a platform to do it. Help you manage the team, help you find the people, people, process, and platform. That's what we're all about at Fullscale. And you know, we got a lot of testers. We know yeah, a couple of things say, about this. Yeah. A lot of testers. Yeah, it's a strength. Like most of our testers have at least 10 years of experience. That's a lot. Hmm. There's a that's lot of different more. kinds of testing. Excited to talk yeah, about that. Yeah, I know. Today. And that's what we're going to get into. So, you know, as, as mentioned, we're back for another installment. This is the sixth episode in our series about software, about the software development lifecycle. If you want a quick way to get to the whole series, there's a link in the show notes that'll give you a, a directory of all the different shows. You can go there and, and check them out, but we've been publishing these every Friday. So if you look back at a week ago, you'll have another episode. So here we are. We just talked about software development and a key part of the software development cycle, or at least doing it correctly and launching quality stuff and not driving yourself or your users crazy is testing. So Matt, what is testing when you think about it? Well, you know, developers like to write code. Um, just like, you know, I, I always give examples of remodeling my house, right? I got these guys remodeling my house. But you know what? Somebody's got to review their work and make sure they did it the right way. I mean, yeah. it, it's 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 like everything in life. You know, if you're doing the work, you don't necessarily like step back and take a look at it and make sure it lines up the right way. Is it straight? Is it plumb? Does it turn on? Does it turn off? Does it work? Is it designed for the like the right user that's going to use this thing? Like all the scenarios, right? When you're, when you're testing, when you're writing code yourself, you usually focus on the happy path, you know, and you don't focus on all the scenarios and you need somebody else to come back behind you and like, try to break it, make sure it really works. You know, over the, you know, having such heavy involvement with so many different startup founders and software leaders and companies and entrepreneurs, um, oftentimes I get asked a question that quite honestly shows inexperience when I hear it. And when sometimes when people say, well, shouldn't a software developer be testing their own stuff? Yes. But to a limited degree, like you get so like Matt was saying, they get so close to it and they do stuff. It helps have another set of eyes on it. And then the whole act of running tests and doing that, 
it takes like a special personality to do it, man. You got to have someone that wants to like do the same thing a hundred times in a row looking to break it once. Well, and and it, what really matters is the type of application you're trying to testing. You're trying to test. So think about Tesla and their self-driving cars. How do you test a self-driving car? Right. You would have to build software to like replay you know, dynamically, all these driving, all these miles, driving all these scenarios, you'd have to automate all of it. Like, it's not a manual testing kind of thing, right? How do you manually test a self-driving car? So it really depends on the type of application that you're building, that the type of testing you have to do. Why is it so early? Why is it important to find and fix these things early in the process, Matt? Well, so you can build on top of them. So I'm a huge fan of automated testing, you know, manual testing is good and, and we need manual testing for things, but the more you can automate, the better, because inevitably in software, you know, you get this project or feature request or whatever you got to do. And you're like, oh, just add this checkbox somewhere, make this thing, change this database column, whatever. And you just do it. And if you just throw it out there, how do you know that, you know, the, the switch or lever you just pulled didn't break like a whole bunch of other things that you're not aware of? And so if you have a big battery of automated tests, you're like, hey, I made this little change. I push my code out there. Now all the automated tests are going to run and we'll know in a few minutes if I broke anything or not, right? It's like, it allows you to move quicker with more confidence because you have this automated testing battery. Just like Tesla, if they want to change the self-driving and they're like, oh, we need to make it look at red lights or green lights now or do a better job with yield signs or stop signs. We added some new features with that. Now they could replay like millions of billions of driving hours and figure out, oh, when would we have gotten in a wreck now that we wouldn't have before? Whatever, right? Like they can replay all that shit and quickly figure out like, did this work or not work? Is it better? Is it worse? What happened? Well, let's not give the testing cart too far before the horse though. Cause until if you want to automate something, you have to first do it manually and understand yeah. what it is you need to test. Now I have a simple rule for this. And it's kind of some, you know, something I learned when, as we were build, building Gigabook is even if you don't have a QA tester you sh- and you're like doing it yourself or something like that, you need to figure out like every software application has a very, very, very small handful of vital things that you should always test. And we'll just use Gigabook as an example. It's just an appointment booking platform. Like if you can't make an appointment, it's broken. Like the whole fucking platform's broken. Like if your appointment platform can't you're take out an of appointment- business. Yeah. So you have to have this list of like, it's almost like the commandments, you know, it's like if these things are broken or don't work, we have no business working on anything else until they're fixed. And so what those are for your software platform now or in the future, I don't know, but regardless of having a tester at all, start to establish that stuff early and create a culture within your development team and operation that looks for the vital things and, and, and keep it, keep it basic. Because like I mentioned, like in an appointment booking platform, if you couldn't schedule an appointment, there's no point in working on invoicing and rescheduling and syncing to Google and a bunch of other crap because the main thing didn't work. So, you know, those are things and you can very easily have an understanding of like the true yeses and nos of it. And then there's a flip side to this. So when it comes to testing as well, it's really, really easy, especially for early software products for you to create a rat's nest and like basically break things. And you got to ask yourself, would anybody actually follow the path to breaking this in real life? Like it's a very illogical set of steps or 
sequences that result in an issue? And is that urgent or is like, that just something weird? Like they went to schedule an appointment, but they put in Chinese characters instead of ASCII, you know, Latin based characters. Well, yeah. And well, when you talk about catching things early though, but that those little things are hard to catch, like little special yeah. characters or just weird shit that your database rejects or something like that. And, you know, now is that commonplace? Like, will it affect your real users? Did you, or if you aren't servicing clients in China, then I wouldn't put the entry of Chinese characters. Yeah. It being an error issue. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Matt, there's a whole lot of different types of testing and they often refer to these as modules and, you know, depending on the strategies that get developed by you or your QA testers or leaders, like there's a whole lot. I mean, and I'm, you know, we're going to talk about these real quick and kind of roll through them. It's there, you know, but you know, you have unit testing, integration testing, system testing, load testing, security testing, performance testing, automated testing, usability testing, and mobile testing. What do we? A lot pick? of different stuff, man. A lot yeah. of different stuff. Let's and blaze it- through this. Well, I, I think first of all, to set the stage, it's, it's really important to understand the type of application that you have. And one of the examples I always give, right? If I was writing software that flew an airplane, it would be totally different than if I made this little database that two of my employees logged into. And if the thing was down, it wouldn't even impact our business. It would be no big deal because it logged like people's vacation time or some shit like that really was not business critical. But making an airplane fly out of the air, you know, crash and kill people is a pretty big deal, right? So depending on the type of software that you build, the type of testing that you have to do is totally different. It's not a one size fits all. Yeah. So, well, a good example is like, if you don't have a mobile app or aren't, we're concerned about mobile, then mobile testing. Yeah. But if you were TikTok, if you were yeah, TikTok, but, mobile would be like everything, no, right? Like you really, would live and yeah. die by it. Yeah. 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 And now one thing though, and don't take my comments, like don't mobile test because in the modern world, more people are probably going to use it on their phone than a desktop computer. But every app is different. Like at Stackify, yeah. like 90 something percentage of our users are yeah. on a desktop. You yeah. know, every, so every, unit, it's all different. Unit testing's the one at the top of the list that is often a developer kind of thing too. Will you talk about that for a second? Yeah, so unit testing can be very helpful for developers. They can also overdo it. So it makes no sense to build a unit test for like every line of code in your app. I always joke, like if you're doing that, you should just use a programming language that compiles. Like people use these scripting languages. like In Ruby English, Matt, in English to people so, that are like me that are dumb. So a unit test is testing like basically an individual method of code. Like, you know, I give it these parameters and it runs something and it either works or it doesn't. It gives this output. And a good example of that would be like validating a credit card number. Like, is it 16 digits? It could be like the has... app- setting the appointment. It could be. It could be even something yeah. simpler than that. But yeah, yeah it, could, it could be. So usually it's something like really simple uh, thing, like validating a credit card number is a good example. Um, and you basically do a bunch of these different kinds of tests. And they're really great for testing like weird, funky business logic and things like that. And so it makes it easy they're nice because they kind of help validate like business rules. So like whatever kind of weird business rules that you have, if you could put in those unit tests, that'd be great. So for example, Gigabook, you might be like, oh, a deposit must be more than $10 or something like that. So if somebody passed in less than 10, it would throw an error, whatever. And you would, you know, write tests to validate that. Like whatever kind of business rules. Could could also be checking things like making sure you don't do double booking. 
you know, like right logic around just looking yes, for zeros and ones and making yeah. sure that they're reacting properly. And these yep. are the things too that by the installation of this and the automation of it, you can really begin to you, you won't have to go through that commandments list, like I mentioned. Like some simple unit testing can make developers feel better. I mean, overall, my goal when I with managing a team is I want developers to keep developing, testers to keep testing, salespeople to keep selling. You get you get it right. Yeah. And, you know, these are the things that kind of help do that. Um, all right. So let's move down the list. Integration testing. That's exactly like it sounds. Uh, this is an important thing because so many people's apps that they're building, whether they're web or mobile or whatever, are integrated with other platforms. Yeah. And if those connections are broken or really hard or unreliable or they're doing goofy stuff, like, you know, an example is with Gigabook and connecting to other calendars or Google, like that's actually pretty complex because, there's a lot like who wants what info and you know, like some people want a lot, some people don't. And then, you know, here's the thing is you're going to ruin someone's day and your chance of keeping them as a client. If you do something like mess up their calendar. Yeah. And a great example of that, right. Would be like, I need to create a calendar entry with, you know, a Google calendar. So I'd write some code that calls the API and calls that. And then for the test, I would call their API again and make sure that it really yeah. created and it's really there and all the fields or what I thought they would be, the date's the right date, the right the time and all that stuff. And that would validate that I can call their API and it works as expected. And yeah, depending on the type of software you're doing, integration tests are really critical. We did a lot of these at Stackify because we had so many integrations with things. The integration tests were critical because if somebody like Google just changes something and might break everything that you do, it's really important. So those those types of integration tests are really, really uh, key. And like you talked earlier about the happy path, right? Like the happy path at, at Gigabook, like being able to schedule a, a calendar entry with Google would be like a really fundamental thing that has to work. You would want to test every time. So I have a test for you. Can you explain system testing in less than 30 seconds? Go. Uh, you know, I don't honestly don't know what the definition of this is unless they, they, <laughs> they describe Fail. system testing. That's as actually like, why uh, I did it. I know. I'm like Linux or Windows, the system? Like Apple, the entire maybe. System? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't all know. right. So, all right. Well, you failed the test, but yeah. the good part is, is we get to move on. So load testing is one that comes up. Hey, look, um, I've talked about this a lot in the past when it comes to like planning and just all of it. So many people plan for rainy days and they were like, hey, we're trying to do everything we can to not run out of money. You're we talk about happy and sad. path. What happens if everything goes right? You know, and load testing is a big thing with that. You hear about you hear the term scalable. Mm -hmm. And um, load testing is just going to put a lot of pressure on what you're doing. So, and, and it'll, it'll show weird little things. Like in the past when load testing Gigabook, we uncovered a lot of like inefficiencies, like looking for one exact spot in the database, but it's querying the entire thing. So when you get a bunch of users in there doing the same thing, it puts undue and unnecessary pressure and slows everything down, you know, and that's, and until you, it, it's kind of like uh filling something up with water to see if it has leaks in it and it yeah. does or it doesn't. And until you do that, it's kind of hard to see a pinhole leak. Yeah. At Stackify, we had things that would process in millions of transactions an hour. Right. And so if you know, you're going to have that kind of volume, you've always got to test for performance, make sure the database can handle it. We got Azure configured the right way, AWS the right way. Yeah. Does it scale? Like, can it handle the load? And I'm, I'm going to put that in the same in the same ballpark as performance testing. No, I would, I would say it's something totally really? different. 
And, okay. and so here, and so load testing is about load, but performance testing could be as simple as like, you know what? I'm trying to optimize the battery life of this phone. Mm. And so yeah. I need my code to use as little CPU cycles as possible. Now it makes sense. Like in a, in a, in a high load, that would make sense. But think about it from like one cell phone. It's not about the load on your cell phone doing Got millions it. of transactions. It's about battery mm. life or how do I optimize my code to use like less nanoseconds so that later under load testing, it'll perform better. It will, you know, it'll oh. help there too, but it's like yeah. micro, you know, performance optimizations, which could be huge for things like battery life as an example. Okay. Security testing. This is a big one. Yeah. I mean, I mean, this is like, uh, we, I talk about this at work with, with my team all the time, right? It's like, Hey, uh, you shouldn't be able to log in and edit the password of our CEO and then like log in as your CEO and then like tell everybody they're fired. Yeah. Like that would be bad. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like you've got to have the right kind of security controls in the software for authentication, authorization, testing that like the permissions of what you can do, what you can't do, making sure that, you know, for example, at the top of the screen, it says I'm editing customer number seven. Like I should be able to change it to eight and then randomly I'm editing something I shouldn't be able to edit. Like it's thinking through all the security things and making sure that users can only do what they're allowed to do. And it's a really a unsexy deal. part, of, but highly important part yeah. of building stuff. And Can you imagine you, you if I, yeah. I logged into QuickBooks right now and I could see somebody else's account? Yeah. Or I logged into some medical software and I could see the HIV test results of somebody else. Yep. Right? Depending like, on what you do. The, yeah. And in some things, they're, I mean, it kind of be inconsequential, like, yeah, I mean, I don't know. There's things to help with this. And, you know, we could almost do a whole nother show about this. I don't want to get too caught up on it. All right. You know what I really like, Matt, is is usability testing. Um, like, let's just actually try it. Let's try it and see what sucks. And uh, um, this is a, the guidelines for this. I, I'm going to go back to Matt DeCourcy's rule one of software. Is this annoying? And if the answer is not no, you have work to do. And that's part of your usability stuff. Um, you know, like if things are annoying or clunky or it's just hard to figure out, people won't. They won't use it. Well, and so I think there's multiple types of usability testing. You could also say, say things like accessibility. So yeah. does it work for people who use screen readers or people who are colorblind, things like that? Yeah. You've also got things like conversion optimization, right? From a usability perspective, do we get more leads if we move the button over here or change the number of call to actions or change the colors mm -hmm. of the button? Is it hard to use? Like, like you're saying, like people just hate using this thing because it's just not in, intuitive. Like there's a lot of different types of, of kind of usability, accessibility, optimization of the I've user I've got a experience. great example, dude. So at, because I'm old, my eyes don't work the way that they do. So I have literally increased the font size yeah. uh, on my phone because I was having yes. a hard time reading it and it, and it really presented some usability issues with other people's shit. And it's just like simple stuff, like the overall field size is too small. So it'll like wrap things where it shouldn't, yeah. or it just makes things weird and funky. And yep. at first I was like, man, they have a user uh, interface issue. And I was like, Oh, it's cause I made the font bigger, but it's still a user interface issue. Cause People are going to look, regardless of whether that font size is tiny or big, it's their reality and it's what they're looking at. So yeah. perception is often in the mind of the person perceiving it. So if it looks broken, it's going to, it can be embarrassing for like weird reasons. So have a broad grasp of who could use it. I, I think your stuff should be simple to use. I think you ask yourself, 
could a five-year-old or a 75-year-old use this in a, in a similarly useful way as I do? So, yep. okay, so let's, let, with mobile testing, um, that, you know, we mentioned that, this, you know, it, look, if you're building software right now that isn't responsive to the kind of device that, that a person has, you're doing it wrong. It's 2022 people. Like there's lots of framework out there that makes this a lot easier. And now with that, it can kind of feel like it slows things down. Cause you essentially have to have a small, medium and large version. Like the medium is like a tablet. Large is obviously desktop mobile is what it is, but don't skip this part of the process. Um, well, you know, it, it's now- also about the, ver- so it's also the version, right? Like if I'm, yeah. if I'm writing software for Apple, what happens if somebody has an iPhone 5 versus they have an iPhone 13, right? It's like, yeah. oh, I'm writing some software that does some smart home automation and it requires this SDK that Apple added for yep. this smart home. Well, that didn't exist in iPhone 5. So what if somebody and downloads well, my mobile app? Mobile testing's hard too because you have it's, to emulate the device that it's yeah. on and people don't update their devices and there's a gazillion different devices. And you have iOS weird. and you have Android and you just like, there are platforms out there and I'm not going to plug any of them because I honestly don't have enough use of any of them myself to recommend one, but they emulate the, what it is. It's yep. like they, it, you can simulate a current version of iOS or Android or do yep. different devices, do different sizes, and you can begin to automate that stuff too, and it'll fix it. So, and, and with that, I kind of moved automated back to the list. Now, one thing with and I appreciate your appreciation for automated tests. I do want to put a caveat to that. Um, if you create automated tests or you want to, you need to be very committed to updating them. Yes. Because when you change one thing, it's yes. going to break the fucking test and you got to do it. And the thing is, is automation tests in, or they are engineers. They are software developers essentially yeah. at this point. Oh. Uh, it, so you got to be committed to having someone high level. There are some basic little tools and stuff like that. Like, what do we use the ghost one? What was that called? Ghost? Tra- I can't remember. Um, it was just like a basic bot that would go yeah. and like, you know, there are some basic things that like test user interfaces and stuff like that. But if you change one thing, you're going to break the test. Yeah. So ideally, the, the great thing about automated testing is it helps you move faster. Like the example I gave earlier, yep. right? Like, hey, we're going to do a new release today. Yeah, we're going to do some annual testing. We also have this battery of like 500 automated tests. They're going to run and test all of these things, which is great and helps us move faster because we can do those tests very quickly. Think about if you were like doing Microsoft Windows or something, like how many automated yeah. tests for like a billions of scenarios you would need. It might take them days even to run all those automated tests. But yeah, if they move a button or change the name of a button or something like that, it could break all the tests. Yep. And so the and more you go and you and it, and moving things around in your UI and all that, you break all the tests. You spend a lot of time just fixing all the damn tests. Just know you got to be committed to keeping up yeah. with it. Now, one thing, Matt, you know, we talk about doing things quickly. Finding expert software developers does not have to be difficult, especially when you visit fullscale.io, where you can build a software team quickly and affordably. Use the Fullscale platform to define your technical needs and then see what available developers, testers, and leaders are ready to join your team fullscale.io I'm testing that right now. Good I don't, job. I don't yeah, think I like it. I'm going to maybe I'm going to do a couple different iterations of that. Um so you know when we talk about like the roles of the tester like you know a tester's main role is to you know contrast the output with the requirements and identify issues and make sure that software products are behaving uh, as defined. 
Um, you know, and like, you know, some people ask like, how long should the testing process take? That's not easy to answer on a universal nature, you know, and like, yeah. Let's talk about that for a minute because when you think about the development process, right? So you you run a development team and you want to do sprints. So you want to (laughs) do like, you know, work for a week or two weeks, and then you want to release that work you've done over a week or two weeks, or maybe if it's even a month or whatever it is, you have to figure out like a development like cycle, right? And the hard part is like, hey, we write code for a week, and then how long do we test it? Do we give the testers like a week, a day or two, another week or whatever? Because the, the, <clears throat> you want to try to get into this rhythm, and it all sounds great. Like, hey, we write code for a week, they test it for a week, and then we ship it to production. Like that sounds great. In reality, the whole thing falls apart the first time you try and do it because nothing ever works exactly to that plan. It just it just doesn't. It's very difficult to work in these exact cycles like that. Now at Stackify, we did a pretty good job. It's like we pushed code to production like every Tuesday and we did it pretty religiously and we were pretty good at it. But the more you also try to do QA and get all these other things in that cycle, the harder it is to adhere to that cycle. But that's one of the big challenges of development is trying to figure out that cycle of, okay, we write code for this many days. And then we know we need this this many days for for QA, and then we're going to release it on this time frame. And trying to build and get really good at kind of that assembly line. If you kind of get really good at it, it's good, but it's it's just hard. It sounds simple, but it's it's hard to get in that rhythm and really stay to it. I think that some of the things that help is like I mentioned earlier is defining like those like those biblical proportion things that have to work. Yeah, and with that, you should begin to define the other if thens that they could affect. So like if you let's, we'll go back to the appointment setting thing in gigabooks. So, okay. So you can set an appointment. Can you reschedule it? Can you attach an invoice? Does it have a reminder? Does it have a notification? Cause if you go, if, especially if your, your, your development team is growing, you can't just assume that a, a software developer is going to inherently understand every single thing that could be affected by a change. So just define it. It's like, if you work on this, if there was a change made to this, let's test these other things too. Yeah. Cause it's easy, especially in the beginning to try to fix one thing and break five more. Now, you know, a common question is going to be, what's the most common errors? They're prop they're all, they're simple ones. I, I mean, that's the easiest way to say it. Like a lot of times it's just dumb little stuff that probably shouldn't need repair as you stabilize things. You know, there are a couple different types of bugs. You have functional, logical workflow and unit level bugs. What's your favorite bug, Matt? Cause I believe I once saw, you know what? We're going to use the picture of you in the bug costume. <laughs> yes. Yes. Matt Watson has a full size suit. Did you keep that or does that belong to the company that acquired Stackify now? I threw it away. Oh, I did. You probably should have. I mean, I did. But I have many, many, many pictures of Matt dressed like a bug. So I feel like you're the best person here on the show. Which which type of bug do you like, Matt? Because you did once build a platform that finds bugs. I like dead ones. Ah, that's dead not ones. on the list. <laughs> but it's the best answer. No. The the problem with writing software is, you know, you can spend hours, days, weeks trying to find the littlest like needle in the haystack like bug. And it is so frustrating. And it, it's it's the nature of what we do, though, as developers, right? It feels like we take like three or four steps back or forward and then we end up taking two or three steps back, like fixing bugs and like they tested it and they found these problems. Normal. 
that's and normal. Fix that doesn't problems. mean you're necessarily doing it wrong. Yeah, it's just part of the process. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's well, painful, Matt, but it's the process. Well, Matt, I, I don't want to get too far into what the different types of bugs are. Um, you know, once again, if you need to hire software engineers, testers, or leaders, Full Scale can help. That's a company Matt and I Matt and I own together. We were in the Inc. Five Thousand this year in our first year eligible seven over 700% growth. I feel like we're really helping a lot of people grow too. So definitely validated and tested there. We have the people and the platform to help you build and manage a team of experts. Just go to fullscale.io and all you need to do is answer a few questions. Our platform will match you up with our fully vetted, highly experienced teams of engineers, testers, and leaders. We have a lot of testers. I have this really a strength of what we do. At Full Scale, we specialize in building long-term teams that work only for you. Learn more when you visit fullscale.io. Mr. Watson, what would you like to say on the way out, buddy? Um, you know, one suggestion I always give people is when you're planning a project, you're planning the work items in Jira or whatever, as part of that plan, just include a, a few simple notes about, well, how are we going to test this thing? Yeah. So when, when we finish this project, how are we going to test it? We need to build some automated tests. Do we test it manually? Like what are the conditions we're trying to test? Like need to test it on mobile or usability, you know, all those things. Right. Um, just thinking a little bit ahead. Like, so you're telling the developers too, like, Hey, don't forget, we're going to need to test this. And then the QA team knows, Hey, okay, I need to test it this way. So just, I think taking a little bit of time to just think about that and put those notes in the tickets, I think helps a lot. Yeah. And I think that even just like you, if you're in an early stage or you're, you're uncomfortable with like the quality of what has been getting produced. I mean, do you have that simple list? Like you can literally, like, here's, it, it changed the results and my sanity when building Gigabook. When I, I came up with a list, I think I had 20 things on it. It might not even have been that long. Like these are the things that always have to work. If any of these things are broken, stop doing everything else we're trying to mess around with and go fix these things. Yeah. Cause they're just the basic, it's like a vital organ. Like if your yeah. liver doesn't work, you need to go to the doctor and get that fixed before you do anything else. Right. Cause yep. like, you know, these are, and, and, and you should be able to define what those core things are. Like, it's like logging in, like, you and know, I'm just like, I mean, can we take money. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Yeah. And like, yeah. and dude, it's, it, you know what I'll fall on the sword and mention that. Cause like in the first year of Gigabook, we tried to create our own billing system, which was actually way too complex and it sucked. And like, it wasn't right. And I was like, we can't even collect money from people. Let's get that right. We just ended up using Zoho, which was amazing because for like 400 bucks a year, we didn't have to mess with that part of it anymore. So, mm -hmm. you know, you don't always have to build everything. Sometimes you buy it before you build it or whatever. There's a lot of tools out there for testing. If you need help finding a tester, you go to full skill. We got people that like everything from like that can do it at a management level and have a lot of training and can help you establish all that. And maybe you just need someone to beat up some keys and buttons. You know, we got that too. So I mean, the thing is, is I think that overall, if you, if you can, add a tester to your software team because your, your developers will appreciate the backup. And I think it will, ex I don't think it, well, if you get a good tester, it'll accelerate the process yeah, of everything. It and it's really just going to make you, uh, if you're a founder, I mean, dude, there's nothing more excruciating than seeing your shit go live and it has a bunch of bugs in it. So from a sanity perspective, 
it's a good investment. Absolutely. Well, yeah. man, I think we passed the test. I think we passed the test here. I'm going to go ahead and push this show to production. I'll see you, I'll see <laughs> you next week. Ship it. Ship it. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. We do it.